0: tuesday which is tomorrow uh, which will be after we host this yeah we will have played thailand and we will have destroyed thailand welcome to yak sports your augusta county sports podcast
1: another week another yak sports podcast your augusta county sports podcast and we're going to start this episode off with our interview guest patrick height is joining joe deck and i because we're going to talk about the high school championships that happened last week to kick off the show and no better to bring somebody that was actually at those games on with us and patrick uh thanks for joining joy and i
2: hey thanks for having me
1: so let's just go in order of the games being played and i guess that starts with the riverhead's baseball uh they fall in the state semifinal, but what a game
2: yeah it was, it was a good game that that was a, a a crushing i think i tweeted that it was a crushing loss for them because they had the uh the 3-1 lead heading um into that uh that final inning uh looked like they were in control elijah dunlap was pitching it pitched a, a pretty good game uh, the few you know the few mistakes he made the defense uh, bailed him out uh they they came up with some timely double plays, um, they had some nice plays in the field, and I, they were really cruising. And then, and in Rodney Painter, the the Riverheads coach, to his credit, did not make excuses after the game. But it started in the seventh inning, just pouring down rain, really hard. The only rain they had all day, but it really started coming down hard. And in that inning, Elijah Dunlap hit a hit a batter. Um, and if, if you're a pitcher and it's pouring down rain you're gonna you're gonna lose a little bit of control you think the ball slips a little bit then uh then they dropped the ball in the outfield that hit the, the fielder in the glove and fell right out um again um you know the auburn coach even said hey i think i think the rain affected them some and i agree with him uh, that was just a tough way but and then the wheels kind of fell out that gave Auburn a little bit of momentum uh, then they had a senior come up with the bases loaded and he just he he uh uh had a nice hit and scored a couple of runs. And that was it. Uh Riverheads went from three one up to, to losing that game four to three. Really rough loss for that team, a team that was a defending state champions. Uh, they were sophomore heavy last last year, junior heavy this year. So you kind of expected them to maybe get back to that, maybe even defend you know went win back to back state championships. Um and to lose in the state semifinal uh, when you're up three-one going to the seventh, that was that was rough.
1: I know it's always hard right after a, a game to already be looking at next year, but you look at that roster and a lot of their key guys still weren't seniors this year. Uh, you know, talk about you know their you know positive outlook on on next year and in the years to come.
2: Oh yeah, they should be really good next, next year. Um, I mean, they lose four to either catcher, and and that's a key part there. I mean, you know, a catcher working with that pitching staff, and and he's a, he's a good bat in that lineup too. So that's going to be a law. Long- uh, they lose Jacob King, uh, who's a senior. That was the only two seniors on their roster, uh, both starters, uh, both key parts of that lineup. So yet yeah, you never know. It's it's uh, every time I talk to coaches and say, Hey, you got a lot of players coming back next year. They always are quick to remind me. Yeah. But anytime you lose anybody, that's going to change the chemistry just a little bit. And you don't know how that's going to affect the team, but you're right. They have a lot of key players coming back, including Grayson Fulton and, and Grant Painter and Adam Painter. He's, was huge. Adam Painter played so well. Um I, I talked to, to um to to Rodney after the game a little bit and, and he talked about how Adam really kind of hit his stride in the postseason and, and down the stretch this year. And and he was for them their big player in that in that state semifinal game. In fact if they had won that game um I, I think I committed the uh, the key sin of sports writers. I'd already started writing that story about
1: it. oh come uh, on. <laughs> you might it, not want
2: to admit this to a Riverheads crowd. It looked so <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks so certain, and 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 I and Adam was a key part of that story because he had played so well in that game. He was three for three. Um, he had the big hit that had uh, put them ahead. Um, was he
1: batting the nine hole still?
2: Yeah, he was in the nine hole. Wow. So yeah. to have him batting in that nine hole and coming up with with key hits like that was huge. And, um, and so I think he, you know, next year you're going to see him uh, be um, a bigger force on that team. Uh, so yeah, I really think next year this is a team that could get. Back to the, to to the state tournament could win a state championship again, and if they could do that, you know that's a quite a legacy. Two two out of three years to win it, but uh, a lot of people were expecting them to win it this year, and it didn't work out. So well, we'll see. But they they've got a lot of talent coming back, and, and should be a solid team next year. Um, and Dunlap is back as well, um, who who started that game's pitcher. So that, I think big things. You know, look for big things out of Ridge Baseball next year.
0: Ah, uh, Patrick. I'll ask you about Stewart's draft. That's the other local baseball team that went down in the semis. To talk about their game.
2: Well, you know the Stewart's draft team. Um, I think uh, I don't think though they were really a surprise to get here. They they went to the state quarterfinals last year. Um, they uh, really were playing hot down down the stretch. They lost early in the season. They lost. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was like four or five games or something. They they really got off to a, a tough start. But then they turned it around, and the only teams they had lost to in the last couple of months of the season before Thursday was uh, Page County, who was the defending 2A uh, state champion, and Riverheads, uh, the defending 1A state champion. So really, Sewer Draft baseball was playing extremely well. Um, they went in against a Chatham team who was just really, if, if you look at everything Chatham had done this year, offensively they were putting up uh, amazing numbers. Stewart's draft matched them inning for inning until the bottom of the sixth uh, draft went into that, uh, that inning uh, leading seven to six, I went into the bottom of the sixth, leading seven to six and gave up five runs to, uh, to Chatham and didn't, then went down in order in the seventh, could not, could not match them in the seventh, but that was a great effort by Stewart's draft. That's a young team too. We talk about rivers being young. Stewart's draft only loses two seniors as well uh, next year. Uh, they, they lose their uh, Easton Martin, their, who was starting at first in that game, and they lose Eric Gutt, who started at second uh, for them in that game. But everybody else is back next year. And so I think uh, and, and playing in that Shenandoah district is, is huge for these teams. It's a great baseball district. It really prepares you for the postseason. So I think look at Stewart-Shaft next year. Uh, they could be a team that that is back in this position with a chance to win a state title next season as well.
0: Well, you mentioned the big inning they had against Chatham, but staying with them, other than that, uh, they fared a lot better than Lebanon in that state championship game, who gave up a record <laughs> twenty-three runs and a twenty-three to five loss to Chatham.
2: Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they, like I said, until that bottom of the sixth, Stewart draft matched Chatham, you know, run for run, and they, they were leading seven to six. So, so they played a really good game. I was impressed uh, with with the way Stuart draft played in that game. Um, it's just one of those things that just the, the wheels kind of fell off in the bottom of the six, but I think they, they deserve a lot of credit. They had a very successful season um, and and you never want to lose at that point. But, but if you look back on the season, I think those players have to be proud of, of what they accomplished this year at Stewart's draft.
1: No, no doubt. No doubt. Let's move it over to softball. Let's move the bases in a little bit to softball and talk about Riverhead's softball team who, you know, they made a long ways last year and then got to the state semifinals this year and another nail-biting game for a Riverhead team, uh, and they come up just short and uh, also lose to Auburn.
2: Yeah, and and I said that maybe the, the most crushing loss was Riverheads baseball, but but Riverhead softball fans may uh, want to debate me on that because here's a team that, that led one to nothing um, and then it gets tied up and they go to extra innings and lose by running extra innings. Riverheads had that game, um, and and just let it slip away. Now, I I was not in Radford. We have one of our other writers in Radford for that game, but uh, this was a story. Uh, this was a Riverheads team that that made it back to the state semifinals. They were there last year um, and lost on a uh, a home run that uh, that really hurt them and haunted them in the offseason. Then they come back and and this year lose in extra innings. Unlike the the Riverheads baseball and the Stuart Draft baseball, though this Stuart uh, this uh, Riverhead softball team loses some key players. They lose uh, they had five seniors on this team, uh, all key players. So, uh, including their starting pitcher Emily Walters. So that's going to be uh, tough. Those are players that are tough to replace next year. They've got some some good players on that team, but I'm not sure the expectations are going to be quite as high for this Riverhead softball team next year as as this season. But still, hey, you make it to to back to back state semifinals that's a great accomplishment and I think they, they've got something to be proud of I know it's it's hard to lose that game but they they really should be proud of, of what they've accomplished River softball considering the history of River softball has not been great so so what they've accomplished the last couple of years has been pretty good
1: you know all these games you know we talked about three teams on the diamond all the teams that our local people lost to those teams went on to win the state championship by a big margin uh, as you already mentioned Chatham, beating uh, lebanon 23 to 5 auburn beat lancaster 9 nothing that was the, uh in baseball there that riverhead's boys lost to the girls from softball auburn went on to win 18 to 1 over Rappahannock county so pretty easy to make an argument that maybe our local teams probably were the second best team in the state they just got knocked out in my final um but i mean but it, it's a it lot of transitive property there <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that doesn't make it any easier for no. the players who lost to, to take it's 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 a good thing for us to talk about, but yeah, it does not make it any easier at all for, for those players. But but you're right. I, I mean, our, our local teams put up a, a great battle, and they were in all three of those games, and, and you can make the argument they could have won easily won all three of those games, uh, especially the two Riverheads teams. I mean, Stewart's draft, you know, losing 11-7, to seven, they were in there into the sixth inning. So all three of them put up a, a great effort, and nothing to be ashamed of, but you know, as as an athlete, as a former athlete, you know, um, you guys know that losing uh, at any point in the season is not easy to take.
1: Let's talk about a point you made there. Uh, you talked about the Shandowa district being really good in baseball and uh, really preparing these teams. And, and I mean, look at what Draft Riverheads, Page County all did, um, and, and that's obvious. And also the softball side. The Page County softball was very good, and uh, Riverheads obviously as well. Um, that district changes next year. They're losing Page County, um, who was, you know, a big pro- – of those teams, sure. um, a solid East Rock program, uh, and then also Stonewall. You know, I wonder, um, with Fort coming in, how do you view what this district will be? Do you still view it as strong, or do you think it's dropped us off a little bit?
2: Well, I think if you look at uh, – if you look at softball, I mean, the addition – you're right, losing Page County in both of those sports will hurt. But Fort Defiance this year yeah. had solid baseball – and. Softball teams.
1: And that team came up with big wins on a Friday night in the region and upset top two region teams.
2: Yeah. And, and the only reason you didn't see them go deep in the state, it, it, class three is not easy. I mean, you've got some solid teams in class three. Uh, but I think, I don't think either sport really drops off a whole lot. I agree. Next year with Fort coming in, um, the Wilson Memorial Program, we didn't talk about them, but that baseball team was really good this year. They had Just, really good spring sports all around. Yeah. Really. And, but they just kind of got edged out because you have so many other good teams in there with Paige with with Paige with with Riverheads with Stewart's draft Wilson baseball kind of got edged out. Um, the Buffalo Gap softball team was really good. Uh-huh. this year. So I think you know yeah they lose some 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 good teams and good programs but I really think this this Kendall district is going to be tough next year. Um in in a lot of sports but but if specifically we're talking about spring sports and baseball and softball. I don't yep. think they're going to drop off a whole lot.
1: Yeah I. Definitely agree with you. I think Fort steps right in as being dangerous, just like Paige has been. Now, maybe they don't go to the state championship at the in three, coming out of three C, but I still think they're going to challenge and prepare these 2A and, and 1A schools very well throughout the season. I agree. Uh, I want to ask you your surprise of the spring, uh, before we get to the probably the story of the spring, what was your surprise team from the spring? What, what team just went deeper than you thought or, or just playing was better than you thought?
2: You know, maybe I'll uh, throw you a bit of a, a curve here because I, w- I was trying to, to to think if I had a surprise team and, and all the teams we've talked about really weren't weren't big surprises. Nope. I think you could have thought all of them would have been at that point. Um, to me though, look at, a, if you get out of team sports just a little bit, the Fort Defiance um, track team this year, the four by 800 team um, won the, the class three uh, state championship and that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, they came in. Christiansburg was the favorite to win that. Um, and, and this Fort Defiance team, uh, Ben Harlow, uh, Ben Smoker. Uh, by the way, Ben Smoker has got to be the greatest name ever for, it. <laughs> for, for, for somebody that runs track. I'm,
1: I'm pretty sure he was in Days and Confused. I think that's the that's the where I remember him from. Was he oh. the Matthew McConaughey character?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ramsey Corbin and Jacob Jones uh, made the, uh, they they won, they were that team and, and they won, uh, they came out and, and beat Christiansburg, uh, won the state championship, qualified for nationals, which they actually went to this past week and ran in. To me, that might be the surprise of, of the spring if you look at all these teams, because I'm not sure anybody, I, I think people thought they might be competitive in the 4x800 at state. I'm not sure anybody other than those four thought they could win um, a state championship in that in that event. And they did. I think that's a very impressive and, and uh, several of them are seniors. So to go out like that and Jacob Jones has had a, a really good uh, track career there for him to go out with uh, with that state championship as part of that team. I think that's pretty impressive to me. That might be the surprise of the spring.
0: All right, Patrick, I want to move you over to the sport of the future. Um, Lee soccer, winning the state championship in class two, beating George Mason. We talked about it last year, but you brought up a great point uh, and wrote about it, actually. Lee soccer, where they come in on the great teams in Lee history. Uh, So I wanted to give you a chance to pitch your article uh, to the listeners and then talk about your feelings on it.
2: Well, so so it started, obviously, Lee is known for basketball. That's a basketball school, and they've had so many great boys and girls teams at Lee. But this soccer team, it's just something special about this team. There's just so many great storylines um, over the last couple of years for this team. Um, and, and the way you know, they win the state championship, they, they beat George Mason, uh, their coach, um, who wasn't there last year because of a family emergency is back this year. Um, they they come in. The, the last Lehigh team, and whatever you think about Robert E. Lee changing their name, should they change it, should they not change it, as of July 1st, it's officially Stanton High School. So this was the last athletic team at Robert E. Lee High School to be playing. For them to win the state championship, it was just special, and, and what a great story. And they were so dominant the last two years. Um, George Mason's the only team that was able to beat them and, and the two of them what a great rivalry that was they, yeah. they played four times and they split and, um, you know once George Mason beats Lee in the state semifinals and then Lee turns around and beats them in the state championship uh, they beat each other in the regional championships the last two years so I just I really thought the way they dominated the way they won a state championship all those storylines put them in the running for one of the great Lehigh teams of all time I'm um, and I'll stick by that. I put four teams up there. I put my Mount Rushmore of Lehigh teams. Um, I put the, the uh, of Lehigh stories really, and the 85 game winning streak for Lee boys basketball yeah. back in the early 2000s. I think there's uh, a good book about that. Uh, yeah. There, there's a book someplace. Some, some <laughs> idiot wrote that book. I'm not sure who. Uh, um, that, that to me is the best story. That's probably the, the greatest uh, accomplishment. Yeah. Of Lehigh basketball ever. Uh, the 1990 boys team. That was just Unbeatable, And people to this day will tell you that's the greatest basketball team ever. Um, the, the Jeremy Hartman uh, coached team at Lee, Angela Mickens was the uh, the star of that team. For four years, they went to the state tournament, uh, twice uh, lost in the state finals, uh, once lost in the state semifinals. And finally, as a senior, uh, uh, Angela Mickens wins a state championship. That's a great story. But right there along that, I think this boys soccer team belongs in that mix. It's just because of, especially last year, I think they caught the attention of everybody last year with the way they were beating opponents and not giving up goals, the way their defense played. Everybody talks about their offense, but their defense is amazing and not giving up any any goals last year. I think they gave up one goal in the regular season, right? And then they gave up one to uh, to George Mason in this, uh, in, uh, or gave up a couple to George Mason in the semifinals. Um, and then this year, they weren't quite as dominant, but close. Um, the way they just, they, the, they, they rolled through the uh, the regular season and the playoffs and then to win a state championship with all those seniors going out i, I just think it's a it's a tremendous story and i was so happy to be there and, and see them win and see the excitement of all those players um it was it was a fun and, and to me one of they're one of the teams i've covered over the last few years that's probably my favorite it just it's such a joy to watch them win that
1: yeah it, a lot of fun to watch i know joe was able to catch uh, a couple games this year and i've watched in the last three three or four years also um very good team and it'll it'll be weird to see a lot of those seniors not play but i mean we talked about on last week's podcast you know name which soccer program is just going to automatically be better than them next year i mean maybe they're not headed back to states but they're going to be good in the area again and i think they are going to be well coached and building off this uh success that they've had
2: no i, I think you're right i mean, I mean even looking at the shenandoah district i'm not sure there is a team I mean, the Wilson Boys team has been good, but uh, they'll have a new coach. They're gonna have a new coach, and they're going through some transition. So, I, I don't think you're right. I don't think there's a team you can automatically say is going to be better than Lehigh in the Shenandoah District next year. Now, how yeah, good yeah, they, yeah. they get into regionals, into you know, can they get back to state? That's unknown. Um, they've got some other parts. They lose a lot of seniors, but they've got they've got some other players that that were key this year that that will be back next year. So they'll, they'll be fun to watch.
1: They've learned how to win the hardest thing to do for 16 year old boys know what to do so learning how to win is checked off so i i, I think they'll win a game more than what we expect them to next year
2: That's, I, I, I don't uh, disagree with you there
1: all right it's you're you're done with high school sports i know you're still you know have work to do this summer that doesn't focus around active high school sports but you must have some more time to binge so what <laughs> are you currently binging or plan to binge here where you have a little bit more free time to
2: to use up, yeah, I'm sure I'll find some stuff this summer. Right now, um, I'm, I'm actually not watching any specific show at this point, unless you count West Wing, which we've already talked about. And I'm, I'm working <laughs> away it again, but it's
1: a continual um, theme on this podcast yeah. is me and you talking West Wing. <laughs>
2: what I have done um, uh, in Netflix recently. So, so I wrote a story uh, on Jarrett Hatcher not too long ago about his his um, kind of the former uh, Robert E. Lee Boys basketball coach, who's kind of making a, a hot. Out of, he calls it a hobby. He's a stand-up comedian. And, and so Jared and I have done a lot of talking about what's funny, what's not funny, different stand-up comedians. And so I've gone I'm on Netflix recently, and I've started watching a lot of the stand-up specials that are on there. Um, and I've discovered a few that I didn't know about. And, and that's probably because I, I live in a hole, and I don't <laughs> know a lot of these people. But, you know, uh, John Mulaney, who I knew the name kind of, but I'd never really seen any of his stuff. Um, I've been watching him and, and Nate Bargatsky and, um, and Chelsea Peretti, who I knew, but I, I've seen some of her stand-up stuff now. Um, it just I've been watching a lot of these stand-up specials, and I'm enjoying that a lot. There's a lot of great specials on Netflix, so I'm into the comedy thing now, just because. And I blame Jared Hatcher for that, but uh, but it's kind of been fun to to watch these different comedians and what they think is funny, and kind of what you know. Some of them come out of left field, but uh, it's been it's been fun to watch.
1: I recommend, uh, and I know it's not a uncommon name but Zach galifianakis live at the purple onion it's hilarious hilarious so find that on there
2: Uh, i'll do that mike berbiglia i've watched uh, some of his his movies and his stand-up stuff we actually saw him my wife and i saw him um in charlottesville uh, a couple of years ago but he's got some great stand up specials on there too and he's hilarious um so yeah that there's there's if if you're into comedy and um stand-up routines there's a lot of stuff available on netflix
1: well awesome well patrick thanks for joining us and uh being our uh, eyes and ears down in radford last weekend and uh coming on here and telling us all about it
2: hey thanks uh, as always for having me
1: all right back here with the modified b block as we will jump into the other stories from around Local sports and what matters to you, the Augusta County sports fan. Let's talk about the Valley Baseball League. And Joe, you've been able to go to a couple games in these last couple weeks, especially the last week. Um, what games you go to, and and what was your feelings on what you saw?
0: Yeah, I saw the first game of the year between Stanton and Waynesboro on Saturday night. Uh, Stanton entered that game with the best record in the Valley. I think they had one four straight going into that game. Um, but that game has started a two game losing streak. No, no reason to hit the alarm bells, but oh, that no, yeah. that game did not go well. Um, they got smacked around by Waynesboro as a fight at the bat rack. Um, Wes Clark, i have been hearing a lot about him. I'd been looking at his numbers. I brought him up last week on the podcast as a guy who had gotten off to a hot start in the Valley. Uh, and I can tell you he is as advertised. Um, he is just killing the ball. He's hitting four fifty-five right now in the Valley. Uh, he's got a glove on him as well. He is, his hits are not bloop singles. They are into gaps and with power. Uh, he is a very, very good baseball player from South Carolina. It's even cooler for him. Cause he's a local kid from forest, Virginia. Um, so yeah. his, his family's able to come to those games. I got a chance to talk to him. Um, and you know, shameless plug, you can check that out on 40 sports this week. <laughs> um, that'll be up. Uh, it should be up by now. Uh, and so you should be able to listen to that as well. Also talk to, uh, Seth Kennedy, who is new to the Generals, hasn't got as much playing time yet, but he is off to a hot start when he's playing. Uh, and then uh, their head coach Zach Cole, uh, as well from the Generals, they're six and five right now, which is fourth place in the South. But they're only two games out of first, standing yeah. nine and five uh, at time of recording, which is Monday, uh, and they're a half game out of first. Uh, you know, everybody in that South is kind of bunched up. There, that is the better division still. Uh, four of those five teams with winning records, the North. Only Strasburg uh, has a winning record. Everybody else is 500 or worse up there. But that's a very tight division, too. One through five separated by just two games up there. So that's pretty, uh, or excuse me, two and a half games. That's pretty impressive as well. So I I think what you're seeing is a lot of parity in the league. Nobody's getting really hot or really cold streaks. Um, And if they do have one of those streaks, they tend to reverse it right away.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it shows right there the Braves won eight of nine, and now they've Dump to so I mean that's a great example of that
0: yeah I, I, you mentioned on here and I think you're exactly right the Braves are scoring a ton of runs but their pitching has left a little bit to be desired here yep. early on as we approach the quarter mark of the regular season uh, and I think you know at the quarter mark I've gotten to see Waynesboro I've gotten to see Stanton I've gotten to see Charlottesville Harrisonburg and Front Royal now uh, in person and to me the best team of those when I went to watch them was waynesboro now they're fourth place in the south they're six and five um two
1: games back i mean we're not gonna yeah yeah. Um, they got three quarters of a season to go
0: yeah i've just when i looked at some of their players they just look like they have the most offense and this seems to be a year when the offense is going to be king in the Valley and it, and, and who knows, maybe if you get a pitcher hot in the postseason, that'll win you the championship this year, because it doesn't look like that's the case for a lot of pitchers. Harrisonburg has the best pitcher in the league, maybe this year in Jacob Ferris and they're four and eight. Um, So uh, he's got a 0. 0.47 ERA cool. in three games. So that kid can deal. Uh, and he was good last night when I saw them play a doubleheader against from Royal. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> You just don't know right now. It's way too early to be projecting champs. Um, But I I would say right now of the teams I've seen, Waynesboro is good. I do plan on seeing Stanton some more just because they're close.
1: See you, see them with you. (laughs) Yeah. Just because
0: they're close. I do plan on seeing more Waynesboro. And I imagine, you know, being as hot as they've been, I I would imagine they've got a pretty good ball club there in Stanton.
1: Yeah. The one player that stuck out to me looking through stats, you know, I have yet to make it to a game that got played, um, First baseman, Andrew Check from Walsh U, uh, he's in batted, batted 383, which is up there in the um, rankings, five home runs, and uh, 27 RBIs, which is like 10 more RBIs than anybody else on the list in the league. So uh, he's doing a good job at the plate and getting timely hits. I mean, that's what those 27 RBIs shows. People get on base, he's knocking them in, and that's what you got to have. So uh, hopefully the Braves can continue the offense and then maybe get the pitching – you know, grounded a little bit, that'd be nice. I, nothing would make me happier, and I, I'm not a Waynesboro fan. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Braves fan all the way, uh, but I would love it if those two teams are battling it out at the end of the season for top from the south. I think that would be incredible.
0: Yeah, Andrew Check was also player of the week in the Valley uh, the opening go. week of the season. So he's been very good, and he's a big boy. Um, He, he looks like a baseball player when you look at him.
1: <laughs> good. Good. All right. Let's move over to uh, World Cup soccer and our women doing as expected. They're two and zero as of recording. They're going to play again Thursday against Sweden. That's the that's the tough game of the opening round for them. That's the team that they've already clinched a spot into the next round as well. Uh, so it's just going to who, who's going to be the first place out of Group F and who's going to be the second place out of Group F will be decided on Thursday. Uh, the story really is is the beating that. The U.S. delivered to Thailand in the first game. And um, it's 13-0. And that got a lot of attention after that game and the next couple days after it. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the score and and how things went down.
0: So, let me say this first. Um, As the intro alluded to, I called this. Um, It wasn't a shaky limb. But I called that we were going to destroy Thailand, and we did do that. We destroyed them. We scored the most goals ever in a World Cup match, period. Uh, Therefore, it's the biggest margin of victory in a World Cup match, period. (sighs) Originally, when I was watching it back, I was like, hmm, I kind of feel bad for Thailand. Um, But you know what? Uh, The more I've thought about it, and you and I texted about it, I think my opinion has softened on it a little bit. I I don't have a problem with the United States scoring. They're in a world cup. Their job is to win. And believe it or not, there are games after Thailand and most of those teams are better than Thailand. So all
1: of them are better than Thailand. Yeah,
0: it probably. Um, So I, you know, you're not, you have to work on stuff for the future games. They did that. They scored. Were the celebrations over the top? Some of those people, it's their first goal in World Cup history. I'm yeah. not going to get mad at them. It's their first ever World Cup goal. I'm not going to get mad. Did Megan Rapinoe need to do a flying scissor kick? Maybe not. Um, but it's a World Cup. I'm not going to pretend like I know what that feels like. So, I, I, I don't know. If Thailand doesn't win 13 goals scored on him, play better him. defense. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I don't care at all. I, I have, like, I was late to Twitter on this issue. I, I was texting with you while eating dinner. And I think you were just getting to the game then. Mm -hmm. And you were like, Oh, I do feel kind of bad for him. And I was like, I mean, they, they couldn't stop anything. I mean, it was just like standard. They were clearly overmatched. Like, I think the the Lee the Lee boys soccer team was. I mean, that's how dominant they looked. They looked like as as better than what Strasburg, Strasburg a good, That yeah. Strasburg game when they beat them. What was that score?
0: It was like 17-0 seventeen
1: nothing. Seventeen. That's close. what it felt like. And it and it. I didn't feel bad for Strasbourg then, and I don't feel bad for uh, Thailand now. This is the top level for these people to play at. What what better level are these women playing soccer at? Yeah, um, this is the World Cup, and 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 I know we make arguments about better teams and it's better soccer in the European League or what? No, the World Cup is the biggest stage. That's when the whole yeah. world is watching the same league, and that trophy means the most. And it's the all-star teams for these countries. It is the top level, and so it's this is an AYSO. This isn't slaughter rule. If you don't want teams to win thirteen nothing, then put in a slaughter rule. Yeah, but I, I agree. And I don't want to. And I don't want to necessarily see that. Just deal with it. And the celebrations, score thirteen goals yourself and see how you act. I don't know. And and there, most of the celebrations, formed into team celebrations. It wasn't one person. Look at me signing a football and pulling popcorn out of somewhere. It was a team. It, Came to a team celebration. I just do not care. I wasn't. I, it was the next day, I think. Before, maybe it was later that night. Before I even realized it was a topic, and um, I think the people that have problems with it probably have problems with the the guys in baseball that might look at the baseball a little bit too long and that kind of stuff. And I don't care about that either. So I feel like I'm being consistent. That I just don't care how many goals they beat them by and how they celebrated. And they went out and beat Chile pretty hard too. And yeah, that was only three nothing, but. They controlled that game. They're just better, so just deal with it. I I don't know what to tell you.
0: I did hear some other takes on why they think people were upset by it. Um, I listen, as I've mentioned before, I do listen to another podcast over across the pond in England, and um, they were talking about it. And one of the takes was that over there, and we'll touch on it later in this podcast as well, the women's game has not progressed as much as the men's game. Uh, And so they're making a push and a concerted push to try to get that closer to equal and games like this damage that because it looks like one of these teams doesn't belong. And one of these teams is just way better than everybody else. And that hurts the game. Uh, That argument is made over here in other sports as well. Yeah. I was going to say UConn comes to mind. Um, But what you've seen, I guess because of that is the other teams have gotten better. UConn hasn't won a national championship in a few years now. Yep. Uh, and so, and they talked about Germany's women, uh, believe it was in the last women's world cup beat Argentina, or it was a, either the last one or the one before that eight to one. And now Argentina is one of the better teams. They forced a draw against Japan, who is a really good women's soccer team, uh, and played the United States in the final last year, even so uh, maybe it will motivate Thailand to invest more in their women's program. So that doesn't happen next time they get there, or maybe maybe. Um, other countries will look at that and go, we've got a while, a while to go to catch up to the United States. We need to get better.
1: What's more demeaning to the opponent when you're, when you're beating, getting beat by 13, nothing, or there's a obvious, I refuse to shoot at the goal approach the game. I think it's that, I think it's, I'm wide open in front of the goal because they kept finding themselves there. Oh, I'm going to turn around and kick it back to somebody else. I think that's more demeaning than, than kicking it towards the goal and giving you an opportunity to stop them. I I that's my I don't
0: view. I don't disagree and I've already this said it literally. I've already said if they didn't want 13 goals stop them but yeah. I my counterpoint if I was going to play devil's advocate would be it's probably the same reason teams don't pass the ball in the fourth quarter when they're up 50 points.
1: Yeah, but what's what's the difference between 58 to 3 and and that like You can't what, schedule
0: games. You should know this, Riverheads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alabama and Clemson. I mean, every team gets these games. I mean, this is the best team in the world versus one of the worst qualifying yeah. teams in the World Cup. I mean, it's just, it was going to be a landslide. Yeah, maybe it, it would have been nicer if it was 7-0. Maybe people at Thailand, I, I don't know. This it, Maybe it's a motivating. I like the motivating factor. I like that better, so let's go with that. Um, watch the game Thursday. It's at 3 o'clock. Develop a, a afternoon sickness from are we your not lunch gonna, and get home early.
0: Are we not going to talk about that chili goalie? Endler
1: um, she she was she gave out. up 3
0: goals but my goodness she was yeah. taking some pot shots her defense speaking yeah, of defense no. is not doing anything chili's defense left a lot to be desired on that pitch and endler was taking shot after yeah. shot and she was making some incredible saves i can't believe they only lost by 3 um yeah wow she is, she is really good they're definitely going to beat or uh, thailand um don't get me wrong but Wow, uh, I'm excited for the game Thursday. Unfortunately, I will not be able to get out of it probably.
1: Oh, get <clears throat> oh, I'm coming down with something.
0: I don't think I'll be able to swing that, especially now <laughs> that you've suggested it on a podcast. <laughs> Although I don't think anyone at work's listening to it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't tell anybody I work about my Facebook, my Twitter, or my podcast. So,
0: but um, well, see, that's why we don't have any more listeners, Leland. You got to be promoting <laughs> this stuff. Um, but the United States, I think, will win that game. I think this one's probably going to be a two to one. I did see. We got lucky on one. There was an offsides. I mean, the player was definitely offsides, but it was not a good look for our Eh. defense for the person to be able to get that in. I didn't like that. I think our defense isn't as solid as it could be, and I could see Sweden getting a goal on us, but I think the U.S. still wins. I I go 2-1.
1: Sounds great. That's that's what I'm looking for. A win is all I care. As I said last
0: week, we're winning this tournament.
1: But we're playing next week no matter what, so that's great. We're winning this tournament. NBA... We're late to the party on talking about the Warriors. The storyline there that I would like to focus on, if we're going to say anything, is everybody's like, oh, well, the Warriors were so hurt. Well, Warriors didn't have Durant when the series started, and everybody was still picking the Warriors. And Clay Thompson, if I'm not wrong, put in 30 points and then got hurt in the sixth game. There was still five other games, including... Three other victories by the Raptors that Clay Thompson was healthy for. So while I acknowledge Durant not being there as something, these same people were picking the Warriors nonstop. You included, me included, the Yak Sports Podcast was looking at a five-game sweep or whatever you were saying. gentlemen sweep is what sweep. you're calling I Toronto almost did it to yeah. them. So Honest. I like that when in November when we did our NBA picks and you were just disgusted that we were been talking NBA at that time. And it was just so obvious the Warriors are going to win it all. I appreciate it appears things are catching up. And now with these injuries with Durant going to be out all next year, Lord only knows what team he signed to at that time. Uh, Clay Thompson going to be out, I guess the whole year with the ACL or. or Most significant? Of it. Yeah. yeah, Like it kind of opens things up and then all of a sudden there goes Davis to the Lakers. It it creates an interesting storyline as we go into next year with the Lakers actually have a people with LeBron that are capable of playing basketball, and a the Warriors player. not looking so dominant. It's all Steph Curry now and Draymond Green, who I hate to watch play basketball. It's going to be a fun NBA season going into next year, more fun than these past years have been, because the Warriors are coming off a loss, losing two players that they would've, you would have thought they could have had, And, uh, I'm, I'm interested, probably be more interested in the NBA than I have been in a long time.
0: I don't know. I mean, is Anthony Davis really better than Kevin Love?
1: Uh, yes. Is the short answer.
0: I don't know if he is.
1: I really, really do think he is.
0: I don't know if he is. I think uh, Anthony Davis might be a little overrated.
1: Okay. So if you're the expert of the sport of the future, I'll be provide some expert opinion of the sport of the past. Yes, Kevin Love isn't as good as Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis.
0: We we is, all loved Kevin Love until he got to the Cavaliers, and then we realized he wasn't that good.
1: I I honestly like maybe I just didn't credit Kevin Love as well. I mean, he I thought he was a good role, very good in his role, as good as he could be. But he wasn't a team carrier. Anthony Davis is a team carrier, and yeah, he's, he's going. He's there. such
0: a good team carrier that the Pelicans have missed the playoffs more than they've made it with him. Um.
1: Yeah, that's going to be the other. Yeah, LeBron didn't make the playoffs this year, and is LeBron not one of the best players of all time? Like,
0: yeah, but he's older. That's my point. I don't know if the Lakers are all a of a sudden this favorite. And, I they, a favorite. I don't think the Lakers are a favorite to know win the if they're West. A
1: favorite, but they're they're not missing the damn playoffs. Oh, cool. They're what not going to miss the playoffs. What an they're gonna,
0: accomplishment!
1: They're gonna they're gonna make a say in it. They're gonna be <laughs> relevant.
0: Cool. I hope cool. they get eliminated in the first round.
1: All right, well, I covered two topics of the NBA there, but I'm excited about the NBA season coming. And, heck, I think NBA season in July is is one of the most interesting things. Everybody's coming out of the draft, which we'll talk about here in a second, but all the free agent movings, and there's a lot of top-notch players. What is Durant going to do with the – he's going to be out a year. And does he sign with New York? Does he sign back with Golden State? Like, what's going to happen with that? I think it's all very interesting. July, honestly – the last few years has been the most interesting time for me in watching NBA uh, news and everything. So I think this July won't won't hurt, but then I think it's going to lead into a great November that I'll actually care about what's going on in the NBA when that season gets started uh, and seeing how things are coming together.
0: It will but be think, nice to not know who's going to win the NBA Finals, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I mean, you are not walking in next year saying the Warriors. No. That's great. Uh, the NBA draft, Thursday night, we got Virginia Tech's Nikhil Alexander-Walker projected a top-20 pick. And UVA's Ty Jerome projected a top 25 pick, so both first-rounders there. A lot of Nikhil's been going, like, 15 or 14, like Detroit. Um, and then UVA's Ty Jerome, the, the one that I kind of see repeating is Portland. So that'll be interesting for some local guys to go higher in that in that draft, something we we haven't seen from both those teams um, for a while. You know, UVA's put Brogdon in and stuff, but Virginia Tech putting somebody high in the draft, we haven't seen that in a while, so it'll be interesting
0: yeah I, I don't know I really based it on potential with Nikhil Alexander Walker I didn't really see it
1: I agree Ty Jerome I, I
0: saw him I think Ty Jerome's a better basketball player than you like Nikhil Alexander Walker
1: I think when they started hyping him in January and they were talking about all the NBA scouts at the tech games I was kind of like wait what and they were talking about him leaving early I was like that guy like I, I agree I, I, I haven't seen it and uh, I think he can be very good and but they, that's all they do in the NBA. They draft on potential. I mean, outside of the top two picks, a lot of years, it's about what they could be, even clued in the top two picks a lot of times. So I hope the best for him. I want anybody from Virginia Tech to do well in the NBA. Um, and in all honesty, Ty Jerome's not going to be wearing a UVA uniform anymore. I'm probably not rooting against him anymore. I, I'm probably just indifferent towards him. Uh, The other guys coming out of our two main focus schools, Justin Robinson's hoping to get drafted, and so is DeAndre Hunter. Um, I would really like to see Justin Robinson drafted, but that is pure Homer. I like him. I really enjoyed him playing for Tech. I just want to see him succeed in the NBA, make it, um, period. And, uh, you know, Hunter's a good player. I I imagine he will get drafted. I kind of think he'd probably get drafted before Robinson would but uh you know those are some good representatives from two good teams this year yeah you know one won a national championship they're all right but that's yeah, tech were, team i really enjoyed good.
0: them virginia tech was good i wish they <laughs> robinson could have been healthy the entire time but no oh well
1: yeah all right moving on uh hockey wrapped up the blues one so basically you're loved
0: it oh what yeah. a relief
1: your predictions and just given all the warriors and a gentleman sweep and the, and the Bruins will just obviously dominate and I hate Boston sports. So that'll happen. I, you were wrong on both and I, and I liked it.
0: Yeah. I don't always get it right. i Joe knows soccer, but um, <laughs> that's about it when it comes to these other sports, it looks like
1: you're lucky. We started a podcast the year you're Liverpool one,
0: uh, but <laughs> the blues were great. Um, they had a great story too. Um, with the little girl being on the ice, the super fan uh, getting to go to Boston to watch it and see the blues win and then getting to lift the Stanley cup. That was cool. I actually cried watching that. That was pretty cool. Um, and the best part was Boston lost in Boston. So you got to see the dumb, angry faces of all the Boston fans as they're angry again, that fuels (laughs) me as well. Um, you had the feel good story. And then you had the really feel good story of watching Boston fans be totally devastated.
1: Out Um, out of Boston, I did see one tweet where the girl, they're like walking down the street with her dad and she gave him uh, Game 7 tickets, surprised him with Game 7 tickets. And it was so Boston, like his reaction and his cursing at his daughter uh, was so Boston. It was so great. Um, I'll try to retweet that. Uh, But, uh, you know, for acknowledging your hatred of Boston, it, it was very on brand, that little exchange. And it was something to see. But what I also liked was and we talked about this last week the trash talk between um John and Krasinski Pam. and Jenna Fisher and Jim and uh, Pam. So Jim and Pam. And so Jim <laughs> is at game seven and he's saying, hey Pam, I wish you were here. I'm sorry we couldn't make it happen. And then all of a sudden someone's like squeezing in by him. Well it's Roy, Pam's uh fiance from early in the office sits right next to Jim. So there's her husband and ex fiance sitting next to each other from the show The Office. And it was just really well done. The Did way you Jim see her reply. I missed it.
0: Her reply was, ha ha, very funny. Just make sure he doesn't leave you at the game, which is a callback <laughs> yeah, to happened, the show.
1: No. Yeah. That's that's a great that's a great one. Cause she tells the story that she was at her first date and she was left at the game. Uh, her the guy and a brother just left and then everybody realizes it's who she's currently with. Ooh. So good. So yeah, the blues win the first time in franchise history, and that's an old team, so that's great. Any more hockey talk? No, we're done. All right, uh, Major League Baseball. I don't want to talk about all the crappy teams that we talk about every week, but Atlanta nine and one in the last ten, and I get to see them play Saturday. I'm going to go watch them play at Nationals Park on Saturday.
0: That's cool. Uh, they're really good.
1: I, should, I, that I Austin Riley that,
0: kid. He's a baller.
1: Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think I really blatantly said, "Watch out for Atlanta." I really like this team, and you agreed. Yeah. But uh, man, they're they're already showing up. I. I think they're going to do things. I really think they're going to do things. And the best this thing about it is... This does feel is, like
0: their possible year to get in there and make some noise in October.
1: And I also, I like them for the next four, you know? Oh, I, I like how yeah, they're built. They're
0: young. They're young. It's a smart organization. That's why they're good. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to bring up a thing I saw this week. Um, the intentional bulk. That's right. You heard me. The intentional bulk. Uh, Kenley Jansen of the LA Dodgers. I can't remember the team they were playing. I God, it's wherever Hayward is now. I think he's with the Cubs still. Um, but they were, the Dodgers are up to Hayward is on second. There's one out. You can the catcher's going through the advanced, uh, complicated signs so that Hayward can't easily steal. Uh, and that was obviously throwing Jensen off a little bit. Um, he calls a time with two strikes to the catcher, talks to the catcher directly about what pitch he wants to throw gasses up a fastball strikes out the guy for the second out he then turns around and this is where it gets good he turns around to his infield and says hey I'm gonna bulk huh. and he immediately just like picks and drops his foot like three or four times to get the balk called and then he looks at Jason Edward goes go to third because he doesn't want him steal <laughs> he doesn't want him stealing signs and I love that most of the time these pitchers like whine and complain that they're trying to steal the signs and my thing has always been like well get better signs or You know, uh, find a way to get around it. He did because he knows that that he knows Jason Hayward doesn't matter. The only way Jason Hayward's run matters is if the guy at the plate crushes a two run bomb. So scores anyway. Yeah. So by taking him out of the equation, Hayward can't steal signs, signal that into the hitter. So the hitter doesn't know what pitch is coming. And then you can just pump a pump pitches by him. He ends up striking the guy out and the Dodgers win. Uh, I I loved it. Brilliant strategy. I've never seen it before. And I totally as soon as I saw it, I was like, why has no one else done this? It's so brilliant.
1: I like it. I hadn't. So that's that's interesting. Well, I got to find a clip of that. Retweet it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk NCAA baseball. Uh, Michigan beat Texas Tech and they both played today. And those are your two teams. So one of them was already going in the loser's bracket.
0: Texas Tech won today.
1: Well, there you go. So staying alive. Texas is alive. Michigan's playing tonight, and uh, we'll keep on watching them oh, go. Hail to the full-
0: victors, baby! Let's go.
1: All right, let's get out of here and let's get to the D block. <music> D block time. We talk about maybe some things other than sports, and I'll lead off with what's dominating my life, and it is not sports. It's the show Yellowstone coming back on the Paramount Network, and uh, this isn't me saying, hey, go out and watch it. It's a kind of a depressing show. Uh, a lot of bad stuff happens, and people keep making bad decisions, and uh, people do bad things, and uh, you often get to wondering who you're rooting for in this show, but it has done well. It looks pretty. Um, it fills a void during the summer of... It is somewhat unpredictable, and I somehow am drawn to these shows that are western esque, as we talked about with Justified and other things. Um, this is modern day western, and Kevin Costner, who acts well in this show, and they have a they have a lot of other good people on there, and some that aren't as good. Um, but their season two's is back; it starts this week. We'll be watching. Um, I, I don't know why. I guess just to be depressed, but um, we, we will watch it um because it is very well done and i kind of want to see what happens uh this season neil mcdonough comes on as a new bad guy in the situation a new adversary i guess against kevin costner and he was uh one of the better uh bad guys that was on for a season on justified he was an interesting character uh multi-dimensional he was uh talking out of both sides of his mouth and um at all times, I'm not going to get into all that, but he was a he had some great one-liners, and he had this hidden gun trick uh, that really came into play. Um, they brought it up early. Uh, it came in the middle, and, of course, it ended and uh, was at the pinnacle of the season right there. So I'm interested to see his character on Yellowstone because um, I'm sure it's going to be good. He does a really good job. Uh, he was really creepy on Justified, so I'm expecting that again on Yellowstone. So I'll be watching. Uh, I know you can binge watch it real quickly. Uh, I know uh, Paramount Network's offering it, so look into it if you want to. I guess it's probably not a reining review of it, uh, but it's good good television. It's, it's quality-made television. Um, it's just if you're into the fifth episode of season one and don't want to know what happens, then you're going to give up, but I, I think you'll want to know what happens because it, it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, and that's good. I'm gonna. I want to check it out. I like Kevin Costner. I remember that show being advertised. To me like, oh, I need to make time to watch that. Um, after I watched Waco on the Paramount Network, which is yeah. another good show that Paramount did. That was a mini series, I guess, limited series that had Riggins but, in it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why you think every show has to be happy, sunshine, rainbows to be good. I it doesn't just because it's dark doesn't mean it's a bad show.
1: I guess uh, you probably make a a fair point. I, a lot of my favorite shows of all time did and came with a lot of positive. I liked Lost a lot. I was a really big uh-huh. fan of Lost, especially the early seasons. And um, as negative, as bad a situation they'd find themselves in, it would still find a way to get back good. I do like when good guys win. Um, I just do. I, I just I'm a, I, I do. And I think the more bad stuff that goes on in the world, I just don't want to necessarily be brought down all the time.
0: Yeah, I don't have a problem with good guys winning. I just like it when it happens in a realistic way and not magic. Um, what is dominating my life is... Well, it was, Liverpool
1: winning was magic. That
0: was so. magic. It was, <laughs> But it was logical. We were the better team. Tottenham was up against a destructive force. And we're just going to get better because we're Liverpool and we are amazing. Um, wow. But what is dominating my life is not Liverpool soccer right now. I've actually got a little bit of a hiatus from Premier League. Um, but... Happy Father's Day to Leland. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, Sunday was your day, obviously. I hope everyone had a great Father's Day, if that's your thing. Uh, My brother and I took our dad out (laughs) to... (laughs) Well, I mean, if you have kids. Um, But... um my brother and i took my dad out to harrisonburg to watch a doubleheader against the front Royal cardinals which i talked about earlier it you was nice
1: dad is a hobby of mine
0: watching baseball yeah i know uh, i saw some pictures of you you know participating in your hobby raising your kids you know all that stuff um but again happy father's day to all the dads out there uh, and it's nice when the dads are very involved with their kids
1: there you go so what do you know that i need to know
0: Manny Machado needs to grow up. Let's get real again, folks. There was your happy moment there. Now it's time to get back to reality. Manny Machado's a punk. He got ejected. He got ejected for arguing balls and strikes on one that was a little bit outside. And when I say a little bit outside, I mean literally a little bit outside. When I saw his reaction, I was like, whoa, you would have thought this was like Angel Hernandez behind the plate. It was an umpire. Look, it was the ball outside the strike zone? By the strictest definition of the rule, yes. Was it the most egregious thing I've ever seen called a strike in Major League Baseball? Not a chance. And Manny Machado is throwing his helmet down. He's screaming at the umpire. He throws his bat against the backstop. After being ejected, he bumps the umpire, and MLB hands him a one-game suspension, which I thought was soft from Major League Baseball, protecting their star, obviously. And Manny Machado said he's going to appeal it. And I was like, dude, I hope when he appeals it, Rob Manfred says, you know what, yeah, I went back and looked at it, and I was wrong. It's three games, at least. He was a total crybaby. Now that Manny's not wearing that orange and black, you can see a lot more. And he is just a total punk. You Um, You
1: can see a lot more, maybe.
0: Everyone can see a lot more. It's just the orange (laughs) and black hide some of it. I'm guessing it's something with the uniform. It's a great job by the Baltimore design and uh, marketing department to cover some of that up. But this guy is a total punk loser. I hope he gets really hit hard with the next suspension. And I hope the Colorado Rockies beat him just for being a jerk. Um, And I hope the umpires continue to ring him up on anything that is within between the batter's box lines because this was just gross uh it was a total overreaction and again he just needs to grow up he's too old for this he's supposed to be the face of the league this isn't a good look for the league there's let the kids play and then there's be a grown-up this is not letting the kids play this is this kid's having a temper tantrum and is a bad example for youngsters and he needs to grow up
1: I'm not going to argue with anything you just said. What I know that you need to know is that Virginia Tech dropped their schedule out today. And a lot of good for, um, Virginia Tech soccer oh, sport uh, of the future, okay. put their score out. And uh, that means a lot. Uh, as we talked about Lee to lead off uh, early in the episode, maybe not to lead off. But Lee soccer has Kyle Stenzel uh, going on there, Woo. former podcast interview on here. Yep. Uh, he goes down to Tech to play. And there's a lot of good games on the schedule. They have a lot of Soca players on there already. KSAC from Riverheads, a so Western Albemarle kid. I believe they're getting other Soca players right now. So a lot of local people should care about what Virginia Tech soccer is doing. And early in the season, on September 6th and 8th, Virginia Tech will play at JMU, not against JMU, but uh, at a tournament there against two other opponents. I think Hofstra is one of them. Um, uh, Loyola is another so they'll play. So wait,
0: JMU's not in this tournament. They're at in it. JMU? They're just playing
1: at different times. They're just Oh not. wow!
0: Total cop out by JMU. I feel like. But okay, go ahead.
1: I mean, JMU beat Tech last year in the playoffs.
0: We'll play them again in the regular season. What is this?
1: Well, it's fine. I like that a lot of these local kids will be playing close to home, and so I will yeah. take it. And uh, the Friday night is probably not going to work for me, but I I imagine I'll be there on the 8th, and I think everybody local should be shooting to catch some tech soccer and see these local guys playing. And I'm excited about the schedule, starting to figure out Fridays into Saturdays and how that was going to line up with tech football. And uh, none of it really works out well for me with doing Friday night football on the radio, but – I'll see if Ron might – there might be an open seat in Ron's car at some point and go catch Kyle playing some soccer.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, what do you think you're going to be doing on Friday night in the fall?
1: I'm going to be calling high school football with oh. Joe Deck mm. and Chip Crable on ESPN 1240.
0: We'll see about that, yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Well, I hope to be. I will be. I'll be there talking football. Hopefully, hopefully there's a mic in front of me and it's being broadcast. So.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Everybody be looking forward to the high school sports getting going in the fall again. But don't don't forget about about us. In the meantime, we are here talking about Valley League Baseball. We're going to do a lot of previewing of the football season before we get to the beginning of the football season. So make sure you are subscribed to us and you can get our episodes each and every week. We'll be here talking to you and giving our thoughts on baseball and as the free agent NBA market. And VBL is always the highlight of the summer for me. So we'll be talking a lot about that. But it was a good podcast this week, Joe. And uh, we got to make sure everybody follows us on Twitter and subscribes, right?
0: Yeah, follow us on Twitter. We're on there at Yaks Sports Podcast. We're on Facebook, Yaks Sports Podcast. Like us on there. Subscribe to us. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on the Podbean app. If you can't find us, um, please let us know. We will give you direct links. Again, share it with your friends and family. Make sure they're listening. This is this should be appointment viewing every week at this point if you're a local sports fan. Um, we, do, we do do a pretty good job covering the local sports, if I do say so myself. Um, and then you get soccer talk, which is the sport of the future, and you'll be ready when the future arrives. So what's not to like? For Lila McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Root on the USA women as they get ready to beat Sweden and continue their dominance of the world in the Women's World Cup. Until next week, good night.